What is up, everybody? Mark on the mic here. Jim to my right. Mr. Ryan Muckenhern across from me right now. A few times a year, I'm contractually obligated to Ryan to do one of his uh, lead balloon cartridge talks. So we did one a while back, Ryan. Which one Which one did we do a while back? 325 WSM. The 325 WSM. Today, we have, well, not, not before us. We have, we're going to be talking about the 338 Federal. Boom. A lead balloon, most certainly. I, yeah, I guess, yeah. spoiler alert, lead yeah. balloon on the little uh, vortex block here, Jim, that's adorned the, the podcast table since we started. Long time. We've got a 308. This is a 308, right? Yeah. Not a lead balloon. Not oh. a lead balloon. Very, as far from a lead balloon as you could get. Very helium-filled. Yes. And uh, it doesn't look too different from the 338 Federal, though. No, because the 338 Federal uses the 308 Winchester case as its vehicle. Parent case. It's yeah. just... Uh, just opened up to 338. That's it? That's it. It just necked it up to the 338. Yes. But we all know that necking up never works. You got to neck down for it to become popular. Well, I mean... Kind, yeah. of, kind of true. I yeah. think that's part of the uh, problem with the 338 Federal. I think it was a timing issue, not like on a vehicle, Jim. Uh, I've had some of those. It kind of came out congruently with like uh, like 6.5 Creedmoor timing. Yeah. So you've got like this kind of this magnum, big pill, not necessarily a sexy long Mark, range option. You know, Mark. And then you got the 6.5 Creed. The that was an outstanding explanation for why it, it's part of it i, I think, don't think yeah. it's all of it i think yeah. that's huge i never even thought of that yeah mark morbin ladies and gentlemen ballistician well i was doing oh, some i uh, didn't realize we were going there i was doing some uh some pre-work a little bit of you know like looking at dates and you know about the cartridge and because i uh pre-workout muscle powders Yes, lots. Uh, no, uh, I wish. No, it's coffee. Still got that shoulder thing going on. Cough. <laughs> a different, different, different shoulder problem. Different arm, different shoulder. We'll save that for a different day. <laughs> Cuff Boardman. That's right. The only person in history to suffer a, a frisbee golf injury. <laughs> frisbee golf shoulder. <laughs> uh, whatever they call that, rotator cuff injury. <laughs> you guys were there. Oh yeah. Um, where was I? Well, you were where talking about uh, the, the timing. Okay. 6.5 Creedmoor and 3.38 Federal. Yeah. In my research looking at this thing, Ryan, and I want you to talk about it too. And this is, it was kind of like what other people were saying too. But it's like, you look at it on paper, checks a box, checks a box, checks a box, checks a box, checks a lot of boxes. And then in my head, at the end of it, I, eh, I still don't want it. But why? I don't know. What boxes did it check? Like it's got a lot of it's got energy. It's actually got a fairly flat trajectory with some of the like you know like a one sixty grain offering or something like that. You can go all the way up to like what two hundred grainers, two twenties even. Uh, factory loaded, I think a two two ten. They might have had a two twenty five. I think two twenty five was like the <laughs> top yeah. end. Some two twenty or two twenty five. Yep. There there was a lot of compelling reasons to like it. Oh yes. I still well, don't want one. That's ridiculous. You know what it is, Mark? It's th- the reason you don't want it is because it doesn't have a crazy muzzle velocity. It doesn't have a super high BC. Okay, here's another reason I would say I don't want or need it. And Remy I know Warren it's not. It. Well, there's that. That's probably the biggest reason. It's just not going to do anything that I can't do with something else that I already have, probably. 
Yeah, that's never stopped you from bringing a bunch of guns to the table. Very true, I'm Mark. I've to, never known you I'm to actually to let that hold you back. More sensible these days. Well, here's what I think about 338 Federal. This was one of the most practical cartridge designs to come out in recent times for a practical hunter. And by that, I mean, okay, what, what is the objective? We want a better terminal package than like a 308 or a 30-06, but we don't want to subjugate ourselves to like magnum recoil. Right. Why do we want a better terminal package than the 308 or the 30-06? Can well, you tell me that? So some people would say, and Mark, speak to this because you've killed large cervids like moose and elk. A 308 might be on the light side of things for moose and elk. In certain instances, or, yes. Or black bear, mm-hmm. right? And I know you've hunted black bear with 308. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you took my 308 on black bear hunt. Are you sure? Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know that you've hunted elk. I didn't kill one. Right. I don't know that you've hunted elk with a 308. No. Uh-uh. But a lot of people might be a little leery. Of, of taking the cartridge out there because it is kind of on the lighter side of things and maybe even to the same extent a 30-06. Now, I, I don't personally feel that way because I, I will use a bullet that is appropriate for the job and I mm-hmm. remind myself that we kill things with bows and arrows every year. So I'm totally fine with using a 308 or 30-06 on elk or moose or caribou or larger, you know, cervids or black bears, things like this. So we wanted a better terminal package than... 308 or 30-06. We didn't want 338 wind mag recoil. Mm-hmm. We didn't want 300 wind mag recoil. What do you do? You give it a bigger bullet. That's it. It's that simple. You're going to gain velocity, which is something that I don't know that a lot of people realize, perhaps. When we have a larger area on the, the back of the projectile. More to push on. More to push on. And so by simply putting a larger diameter projectile in there, Mark... You end up with, <laughs> it's the look you gave me, by giving it a larger projectile, we have more surface area for the propellant gases to push that projectile down, and you end up with higher velocities. And actually, pretty outstanding and pretty significantly higher muzzle velocities. Well, I would suppose, because if, if you're using one of those, like one, you said there's a 160 grain-ish offering sure. or something mm-hmm. like that, well then, yeah, because you've gone you, an increase in diameter, mm-hmm. but then your length, in order to get to 160, because there are many 30 caliber bullets that are around that yeah. same I was reading a approximate weight. A gentleman's comment and he was he was like hand loading one sixties. Yep. And I want to say he was getting a velocity of thirty fifty with it. Yep. Jeez. But then I'd also say, well, doesn't that defeat the purpose of <laughs> to me the purpose of this of the three thirty eight federal would be like, oh I'm gonna use a a heavy projectile. Yes and no. We also can't um, dispute what a larger frontal area of a projectile does when it's starting to push through tissue. Okay, that's significant. Right? Yeah. So there's there's give and take everywhere. If you're going to go with a three, like a 308 caliber 160-ish class bullet, you're going to have a higher ballistic coefficient. You're going to have a better um, sectional density. People that are crazy about those figures will say like, well, that means that it outpenetrates and that means that it flies slipperier through the air. And that's not untrue. I mean, we've seen some of that yes. in like our cartridge talk ballistics Gel testing, yes, where smaller diameter projectiles are getting oh, more penetration. Correct, and penetration is important. You know, I'm crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Frontal area is also important, and I'm crazy about that. A bullet that's expanded to a larger diameter than a counterpart in a smaller caliber class mm. is displacing more tissue. This is true. Is doing more damage while it's traversing that body cavity, and I like that. I really do. And if we 
like go back in time before we came up with like nitro powder of some kind. The only way to get more effective was to give it a bigger projectile with more right. funnel area and more mass. The balance here, I think, is what you're getting in that cartridge, in that kind of 185 to 210, 215 grain class. Yeah. And it's like unlocking a secret cheat code in, in the performance characteristics of the cartridge. So I don't have a 338 Federal yet, but I do have a 338.6. Mm-hmm. And that is a special cartridge. And it's not unlike the 338 Federal in design. Uh, so it's just a 30-06 opened up. I was going to say, it's, it's a longer 338 Federal. Yep. Yeah, but then that one's also not a lead balloon. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. You think? Oh, yeah. 338.6, total lead balloon. Oh. Yep. Like, such a short flash in the pan from factory offerings and factory ammunition that, like, now my biggest challenge is finding head-stamped brass. Oh. It almost doesn't exist. It must be because I hear you talk about yours so often that oh, I assumed it was fine and two, not a lead balloon. 210 grain bullet. I'm at a little a tick over 2750, and I'm not even close to the book maximum. Like, I can go up. But the recoil is getting a little on the ferocious side. It's a very lightweight rifle, so it's a handful. Mm. But a 210-grain projectile going 2750, I'm like that close to a 338 Win Mag in performance. And if I bring it to the top of its load, I'm at 338 Win Mag performance. Interesting. Yes. And I'm doing it with less recoil, albeit mm-hmm. it is ferocious because it's a light gun, in a lighter gun, a smaller gun, a more portable gun, and one that is... For me as a hand loader, just an absolute breeze to make happen. Cartridge, the first load I threw out of it was just beautiful. And I love it. Um, And I really do think it gives you something really special. Here's what I want to do, though. So we've got a nozzle load manual here. And I've opened it up to the 180-grain Acubon. Great, tough bullet. Elk, moose, caribou, bear, whatever you want. Whitetails, mule deer. Um, looks like we're getting an average muzzle velocity of around 2,700 feet per second. If I look at all the load data out of 180 grain projectile. So here's Varget, great, great powder for that case. And that, that, I mean, anything in that case size family, um, 2,700 feet per second on their max charge. If so I, 27 max charge for a 180 grain yep. out of the 338 Federal. Yep. If I go to ye old... 308 Winchester. Bear with me. Oh, yeah, gentlemen. there's about to be a lot of pages for that one. Um, maximum muzzle velocity achieved out of any of the loads posted in the books, 2620. With a what grain pill? With a 180. So Same, same bullet then? Yes. Or, well, no. Yes. no. But same weight. Both same same weight, though. yep. Yes. So there's, there's nearly a 100 foot per second advantage immediately to the 338 Federal, which... Is not a ton, but nothing to scoff at either. With a larger frontal area. Correct. Larger frontal area on that bullet. And I, and I think in the 338 Federal, like that's a really good class of bullet to be in that 180 range, 185 range. When you get up into the bigger stuff, like the 200s, you know, and the 210s from, from Nozzle here, 2500 is about the top of the ceiling um, that you can get into. And it's about the same in the in the 30 caliber option. So you, you do hit a point of diminishing returns with it, but the design intent I think was rock solid. They wanted a small format cartridge that was bringing larger cartridge performance to the table without going crazy on case size, capacity, rifle weight, et cetera, et cetera. And it was awesome. And there's a whole bunch of people that subscribe to the thought process that a low and slow high mass bullet 
is a really remarkable thing from like a lethality perspective. And it's why people still gravitate towards cartridges like 4570s being very effective game stoppers. And that low and slow, big, heavy drive through, push tissue out of the way, tear stuff up, punch your bones, all that stuff. It's outstanding for it. I like what the cartridge will do with a heavier class bullet in general, giving me about 100 feet per second advantage over uh, another similar class bullet um, in the 30 caliber from, from a weight perspective, similar class. And it's cool because it's a 338. But man, did that balloon pop hard. There was, uh, and maybe this is always the case, a lot of buzz mm-hmm. when it first came out. I remember when it came out. Yep. People were talking, oh, I think I need that. I think I need that. I like that. I like that. And, and I could see why they were saying those yep. things. But then nobody got it. Nope. Does anybody still make a gun that factory chambered in 238? You can get Pedro? some prefit barrels. I don't know that anybody has a factory offering right now. Yeah. There was a few at a time. There was, you could get um, Sacos, you could get Tikas. It was a joint venture between Saco and Federal for mm-hmm. the cartridge development. Mm-hmm. Um, you could get some Savages. You could get, I think Remington made one. And then, you know, I saw some custom builders. One of the coolest articles I read when that cartridge first came out was a gentleman had rebarreled an M1A to 338 Federal. How about that? It was pretty cool. You know what it strikes me as like would be good for, and I'm just speaking off the top sure. of my head. Well, I think it'd be good for any number of things, right? Sure. But y- you hear about, like, you know, when we when we hear about, like, how many, like, the 6.5 Swede and guys are shooting moose at, you know, you know, fairly close distances, and I'm like, to me, this seems like a big animal, close distance, I guess where it would shine. Yeah. And, and you'd put it in a handy rifle. Uh, like Ryan said, it's got moderate recoil, so it's not going to kill you. You could probably carry a lighter rifle, and it's not going to be a, a huge detriment. And I wonder if what Ryan's going to look up here a little bit is some things that I saw online. I don't have the figures in front of me right now, but, I, you know, you're seeing some stuff with, you know, comparisons with somewhat similar projectiles, and really, like, the drop difference between the three thirty eight Federal and, like, a thirty out 6 was, like, not that different. No. You know, or... Or the drop between that and a 308 was not that different. So it's kind of like, okay, well. Are the 308 and 30-06 the most comparable cartridges? Like, what else would give you a larger bullet in a smaller, handier rifle with somewhat minimal recoil? Is there something else out there that isn't a lead balloon that is accomplishing that? Yes. Hold that question, but I want to build on what I just said. Is the fact that it's not that different the problem? Oh, sure. And I think a lot of cartridges that we will classify as lead balloons are just simply similar enough to something else that already exists and it's not solving so great a problem that it just kind of fades into obscurity and a really good example of this is like 260 versus 65 creedmoor right on, on paper mm-hmm. they're the same cartridge but the limitations of the 260 and its cartridge overall length and loaded into like an sr25 or an m110 magazine stymied its performance right, right. enter 65 creedmoor that solved a big problem and you know, they did a phenomenal job of getting that ammunition to market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have I have some comparisons here real quick. So this is this is an old dated ballistics calculator that I have on my phone. And I'm going to grab a 180 grain federal factory load for the 338 federal with the Acubon projectile. Posted muzzle velocity on that loading was 2830 out of that to 500 yards, 8.8. 8.6 MOA of vertical adjustment requirement. Uh, 308 Winchester 
I'm going to grab a partition. I know this is not an AccuBond. Oh, Ryan. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, they're not the same. Okay. Do you, you, I don't, well, here, I'll tell you what I'll do. The Nosler partition factory loading from Federal is 2570. Let me just change the bullet to a 180 AccuBond. How does that sound, Mark? It's will, that, will that be okay? Satisfactory at best. Okay. So all I've done is I've, I've changed the bullet to the 180 Nosler AccuBond, its values for ballistic coefficient. I've kept the velocity the same, 2570. Okay. 500 yards, long ways. 8.86 versus? 9.73. Yeah. More drop in the 308. Yeah, correct. Higher BC projectile in the 308. Mm. Higher sectional density, more drop observed. Again, I ask though, is the 308 yeah. the is the 308 the alternative to the 338 Federal? Like, is that the if if you're shopping around, you're Joe Schmo, you're at the store, and you're like, okay, I'm either going to get the 338 Federal rifle, yeah. which obviously it sounds like you're really not going to be seeing, not anymore, but no. uh, or or this 308 is that the one, or is there another cartridge out there that's doing the because the 4570, as like you said, it's a thumper, a big pill. Not moving exceptionally fast, but it stops game. But it's not, you're not going to put that so much in a light, handy little rifle that's not going to recoil a whole lot. Like that'll push you pretty good. What? It's probably the 308 or a 30-06. I think, I think folks ought to give it a shake. There's another old cartridge. But, I mean, like at this point, though, I like, still think it's super viable. Where do you find it? Wait, can yeah, you buy factory ammo? You, you can't really. But I still what? think so, it's a phenomenally viable cartridge. Here's another great example. There's another cartridge that's entered the scene very recently, entered the chat, 8.6 blackout. Oh, do tell about that. I want to know. So it's not a 338 Federal. It's along the same lines. This is a marvelous cartridge. And it's harnessing a lot of what the 338 Federal brought to the table in its supersonic capabilities. Like what, what it's 338 Federal was not a subsonic application mm-hmm. eight six blackout like 300 blackout is playing both worlds nicely right suppressed it's unbelievable mm-hmm. and supersonic it's massively viable as a big game cartridge and i'm seeing a ton of chatter about how people are just like oh my gosh it's eight six blackout it's incredible they're killing cape buffalo with it and it's almost like they forgot that the 338 federal existed Okay, that was going to be one of my questions next yeah. was going to be, the thing sounds like it would suppress awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like somebody did the 300 blackout treatment to the 308 instead of the, you know. Yeah. They stuck a 338 bullet in the 308 like we stuck a 30 cal bullet in the 556. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what it sounded and, like. And I think the 86 black is a smarter move for the suppressed application because much much like the 65 Creedmoor, the case dimensions were amended to kind of make it a more efficient cartridge, let the neck do the work, let the bullet reside where the bullet resides. It has a smaller case capacity. So it, it suppresses, or rather, can work in the subsonic region, I think, easier, more efficiently than, say, a 338 Federal could. There's nothing saying I couldn't, you know, load that subsonic. An 8.6 Black does a better job. Turn the tables to the supersonic application. The 8.6 Black is considerably behind the 338 Federal in performance. Hmm. Okay. Because of a smaller case capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, they're doing something really interesting with those 8.6 blacks, and this is a, an area of terminal ballistics that I don't, I can't speak to intelligently because I don't necessarily underfi- uh, understand it well enough. Those guns are usually twisted one and three. Oh, yeah. That's right. To like, to like one and five at the slowest. 
Super slow. Well, fast. Super fast twist. I mean, yeah, super fast. Yeah. Sorry. And <laughs> yeah, the other one, right? Yeah, that's what I meant. I know guns. <laughs> one of one of the really talked about loadings in there is a 210 grain Barnes TTSX, and it's rotating at one and three. And so when it's hitting the target, I mean, think think of like the depth of of whatever game animal you're hunting. Let's just say it's a whitetail, and the target depth is 24 inches. How many more revolutions does that bullet have in those 24 inches? of soft tissue and organ than a bullet that's being twisted at one in 10. So I was, I think I was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about these super fast twist barrels. They weren't talking about one and threes though, but the kind of like that rotational force or rotational energy factor that generally we don't account for, but it was kind of like they either thought or they're like, I, you know, this could be like a real thing. Like mm-hmm. this is something that is having it seems to a me, terminal effect. Yeah. It seems to me much more like you're sticking a blender in the body cavity yes. of said creature versus just pushing shoving a through. spear yeah. through there. So there, there's an old concept of dwell time, projectile in target, the amount of time that that thing resided within the target made it a more effective project or made it a more effective terminal performance or terminal package. So like if a bullet would stay inside of something longer, the theory was it was going to kill it better than if Hmm. it zipped right through. And whether that was like energy transfer or something else up to debate, um, because on the other side of that coin, I also believe that speed kills. So having shot some Weatherby cartridges for a number of years and moving things at hyper velocity, like there is a distinct advantage Well, here's a great case in point. I've killed deer with 308 Winchester with 130 grain Barnes TTSXs. I've killed deer with 300 Weatherby and 130 grain Barnes TTSXs. And there's 500 feet per second difference between those two things. The inside of those body cavities look very different when you open them up. One is filled with pink Christmas gelatin in Mm. in the 300 Weatherby application, and one is just a very dead animal. And I do think speed kills. I, I I agree with that. Well, yeah, literally kills. Yeah. But are you referring to too much meat loss or something? Or no, I, you know, I'm not a big meat loss guy. I didn't think so. Yeah. That's why I was trying. Like, when you say speed kills, are you like, it sounds like, like a negative thing. So, no. like, the fast thing is actually, that's what you make. I should refer When I hear speed kills. Speed kills effectively. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But with the 8.6 Black and the attention that it's been getting in the past year or so, it also seems that speed isn't the only factor, but rotational energy or whatever we're going to call it, that rotational right. force has seemingly unlocked some fourth dimension of terminal performance that it seems we haven't really been paying attention to. And the results kind of do speak for themselves. People have been, and it's anecdotal, people have been coming up with this, being like, this thing is magic. Like, no recoil, very low report. Very small, manageable rifle and cartridge, and holy smokes, is it just tarring and feathering anything I pointed at? Very interesting. Yeah, what my hope is is like it's not a three thirty eight Federal. In that, if you look at it from strictly supersonic application, the three thirty eight Federal is better in every respect. And maybe people will be like, "Well, what I really want is a hunting rifle that I'm not super concerned with, like Uber suppression on." Hmm. And is there 
an opportunity now for the H6 Blackout to reside in this the space where it does like really good suppressed and does really good supersonic. And then the 338 Federal comes back on scene and is just like really bonkers good supersonic. And it actually breathes some more life into it. Let me ask you this question, though. Yeah. Have you ever seen a cartridge that was a lead balloon come back? Come back from the grave. Yeah. Seven Psalm. Oh, I mean. I think it's a fantastic cartridge. I just don't see it very often still. You don't see it in factory offerings, but it is a premier choice for long-range hunters. Very popular. But now you have the 7PRC. You do, and the 7PRC is, on paper, definitely a better cartridge, but marginally so. It's not huge, and you are subjugating yourself to more recoil. You do have a much larger case, more powder, yeah. bigger format gun. Our very own Paul Nice shoots a seven psalm. Does he? Oh yeah. He's been That's keeping this so, from me. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. And you know how he is. He's just a quiet researcher of things. Yeah. Mm. And what did it, what did he settle on? Seven Psalm. And he, he took it on an Audad hunt and I said, How was it? He's like, that cartridge is fantastic. Mm. He wanted payload, he wanted in flight characteristics, mm-hmm. and he wanted manageability. And he seven psalm. And so there's a cartridge that came out that was like, and unfortunately, like the 300 psalm also suffered the same course that the seven psalm did and, and maybe even hold, held on a little bit longer. The seven psalm just was like, here's a seven millimeter offering in our short action ultra mag. Thank you. Move along. Right. And like these precision long range honor guys, crazy about that cartridge. Does Nice load his? Yeah. He does. I remember some uh, guy shooting seven psalms at, Vortex Extremes sure. of years past. Yeah. Rest in peace, Vortex Extreme. Oh, yeah. And I think they won, actually. I know two guys. The first sure. time I ever heard of that sure. cartridge. Um, so I think, it, that is, I think that is a good example of a cartridge that did fade into unfortunate obscurity, but then crawled back. In maybe a different light, like it's not observing the commercial success, because mm-hmm. other things have come out, and people do like the easy button. And I think, in general, hand-loading is on a decline. Right, more more people are busy. Like you don't have a lot of time to do this, and it is a hand loader's dream. It's like two eighty Ackley. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, like that's a lead car, lead balloon. Like I have a two eighty Ackley. I love it. It's a Sammy cartridge. You can buy rifles chambered in it right now. It does not get the admiration or respect it deserves. People who are in the know, like yourself, Ryan, yeah. love, love, love the two eighty Ackley. Yes, because it is, is it is a special cartridge. Same thing with 338.6, same thing with 338 Federal. And I toiled for a good long time over, I'd like to build another short format rifle like that little 308 I did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, hey, I'm going to do it in 8.6 black because it's cool. But brass is a challenge. I have to load it. Like I, I shouldn't say that. You can buy factory ammo. But 338 Federal, I've got oodles of 308 Winchester brass, one pass through the resizing die. Done. Mm. Oh, sure. That's mm. it's it's 308, boom, 338 federal, just like that. And same thing with my 338.6. Why didn't they just do that again with the 86 blackout? Why didn't they just make it off the it, uh, some, so, super simple? Like yeah, that? optimization of case design for application. So Oh, right, they wanted the yeah. They they wanted more performance subsonic, didn't they? I think I don't know if more is the way to look. Well, yeah, more because if you put a 300 grain hollow point motel in a 338 federal you're going to exceed your magazine 
length capacity, mm-hmm. right? So now it's too long. So crop that case down. Um, it's more loosely based on a 6.5 Creedmoor than anything. Oh. Yeah. And, and then let the neck do the work. Let the cartridge overall length be within the spec that you need to do to fit out of an SR25 magazine. And it does it beautifully. And it is a super cool cartridge, especially in like the Q fixed rifle. Like what an amazing little piece of equipment. And I think it would be very well played in like a regular hunting rifle. But when, when I finally like said, okay, I'm going to do this, I realized I didn't really care about the uber quiet subsonic application. Right. I wanted. Yeah, not if it's a hunting gun. Yeah. So I said, okay, I like what I got out of my 16 inch 308 bolt gun for performance. I know I'm going to like what I get out of my 338 Federal bolt gun in a 16 inch format. And it's going to be even better than the 308. So I'm going to. Get the best of both worlds. There. It's fitting. Wait, are you going to do this? Absolutely. It's fitting that this was. You're a, making uh, a 338 federal. Mm-hmm. It's fitting that it was a joint venture between Saco and Federal because mm-hmm. what you're describing is very European. It is, Jim. That's a great point. Boy, that is another great cartridge. I'm also not. Act- I'm not surprised. I but it's just it's a very, great point. It's this very a good European. Point. Yeah. It's an everything cartridge. You want to hunt roebuck with it? Certainly. You want to hunt. Big red deer with it, big boar, Croatian or Polish brown bears, all day long. Out of a svelte 16-inch rifle. Driven game, moving shots, big pills. Yep. And when I look at, like, practical hunting, and I think of, like, I've never hunted elk. Mark, you have in the timber, sometimes in a meadow, 400 yards, probably long ways on a lot of these, depending on where you're at. Depending on where you're at, yeah. What an awesome pairing. Nice little handy lightweight rifle, big heavy-duty pill, moderate recoil, not extraordinary recoil, very effective terminal package. There is that. Mm-hmm. Another, another lead balloon that follows those same things, 376 Steyr. That's cool cartridge. Never made it. Well, maybe we'll have to talk about that next year when we do another lead balloon podcast, the, Ryan. The last uh, lead balloon one that you guys left me out of so conveniently did... Um, <laughs> Did you like that one? 325 short? Yeah. I do. It's a good cartridge. When are we going to get to the lead balloons that you don't like? At, at any point. The problem with that, Mark, or Jimmy, is when, so we were in a podcast meeting and they're like, God, oh, we got to fill this space. I'm like, lead balloon. Because I say it every podcast yes. meeting. Well, and I'm right there with you. And I've been championing. Mark's like, oh gosh, can we do anything else? Can can we talk about socks or like, maybe we should talk about like. I lo- like. To can we talk that. about hunting some more? <laughs> Mark would rather talk about Argentine or Argentinian duck hunting than he would lead balloons. Oh, that does yeah. sound interesting. That's yeah. true. Ryan, <laughs> I say that to get your goat. Yeah. I'm well, teasing. it's apparent because I know that the listener base is going to request more lead balloons. Uh, they are. Yes. How many lead balloons in the comments do we have to get to make more lead balloons, Mark? Uh, 10 likes and we do another lead balloon <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. So... It'll happen. You heard it here, folks. Yes. Ten, 10 likes, we do another lead balloon. Here's my hope. Before I want to hear I want to get before some before a year. Before years up. I want to get some lead balloon. I touched my mic there. Uh, get some lead balloon suggestions. Sure. From 338 Fed was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get a big lead balloon sculpture actually made out of lead in here. Yeah. And I want it to sit right there and I want it to be so uncomfortably close that we and get, then, we get a little bit and, and then after each podcast the end of each podcast you lick the lead balloon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> work for the romans i think 
I think it's an unfounded uh, demise that the cartridge is Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's sad. But, Mark, you bring up a really good point right away in the podcast. Its release was nearly coinciding with that of the 6.5 Creedmoor. And kind of that brush gun concept was almost eliminated from the landscape. I mean, a a shift in mindset yeah. yep. by hunters and shooters. Further cementing the 6.5 Creedmoor in history <laughs> yeah. as the prom king of cartridges. It's, and that's not It immediately untrue. diverted all the attention away yeah. from the shorter, pudgier new kid on scene. It's a, it's a damn shame because it is a really good cartridge. My hope, though, truly, is that with the increased attention that 8.6 Black is getting, and I think is founded because it's cool. And it, it is. But it's probably different. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it is. It's different it is. enough. It's like, I don't have one of those. The, the three, three day fitter was like, I kind of have some of those. I think people be like, you know, actually, that, that 338 Federal was right the whole time. I, I could. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't see him making a comeback. After listening to this podcast, maybe. Some it's, almost even too, it's almost even too risky, unless you just saw some resounding people, you know, with signs, bring it back. Bring it back. It's like too risky for even manufacturers to be like, let's chamber some car, some rifles in oh, this thing. Oh, yeah. Like you know, looking, it's not- looking at what's come out in the past five or 10 years from cartridge design, yeah, it's the furthest thing from cool, right? So everything's getting faster, sleeker, m- more long rangey than less long rangey. We'll, we'll see. I, w- I could be wrong. I, I think you will see that pendulum swing back. Sure. When, though, is what I don't, don't want to know. The problem is equipment's getting so good. Rangefinders are getting so good. Rifle scopes are getting so good. It is giving people, like that is the contingent piece to success, is I need a cartridge that's going to do it at those extreme distances. I think I think you'll see it, okay, like uh, the pendulum is swinging like you're seeing, like, oh, I'm going to hunt deer, you know, like for a while I was like, oh, 6.5 Creed, that's as small as I'll go. Now people are hunting deer with six arcs, yep. right? Yep. And I think you'll see it swing this way. And it's not going to swing all the way back, but it's going to stop here at the end and go, eh, and come back, like, you know, 25% right back to the 308. Yes, Jim. <laughs> uh, 308 that you're holding up right now. You've been talking a lot about the 8.6 black, Ryan. Yeah. The screen went black. The count the count screen went black a long time ago. Yeah, we've gone way ago. over. It's 10 minutes. It was 10 minutes. <laughs> at some point in the talk, it went for 10 minutes. Yeah. That's true. We, we didn't lie. We just kept going. We didn't lie. Ryan, anything else before we sign off here about the 338 Federal? Yes. What, this is a loose correlation. Long ago, a cartridge came on scene called the 356 Winchester. Okay. Which was a rimmed 358 Winchester, which okay. was a 35 caliber 308, which was nominally larger than 338 Federal. And that cartridge enjoyed also limited success, but was a proven deer killer. Yeah, and now is a sought after chambering. If you have a gun chambered in three fifty six, that's cool, because by golly, it works. Thirty five Whalen, another big bore, medium bore, regular case. Thirty five Whalen's coming back. I'm seeing that more and more and more. That one's a big one in the South. Didn't we determine that? Yep. It's also a straight wall legal cartridge in Iowa, as is three fifty eight Winchester. Let's go. Three thirty eight Federal doesn't make the cut on bore diameter, which is baloney. But I know what I put together a three uh, thirty-five Whalen for a shooter the other day for Iowa. That is a legal straight wall deer cartridge, not even close to straight wall. <laughs> I know it. Uh huh. I know it. So 
Why don't they just say then big bullet diameter season? Hey, but I see more That's of I, I see more of those <laughs> I see more of those cartridges popping up in these little specialty spots and people are gonna start talking about how wildly effective they are at killing game. And if the thirty five whaling hooks back up again, somebody might be like, Well, you know what I could do? I could get a three thirty eight out six, have better BCs, have better bullets available from from like manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And that's the best of both worlds. That's why I have a 338.6 and not a 35 Whalen. And maybe the old 338 Federal will be like, hey, me too, because I'm really small. Dear Kimber, please bring back the Montana in 338 Federal. I mean, that's a fair ask. Maybe they'll listen. Maybe. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Well, Sounds good for us. I know there's, I know there's some 338 Federal aficionados out there, like you said, Ryan, because that's where the request came from. Let us know. Do you love it? Is it just the absolute sweet spot of cartridges, the unsung hero of cartridges? Do manufacturers need to bring it back? Do we need to hit the streets with our picket signs? Let us know. We'll be there. We're going to, the sign will say, bring back the Fed. Yeah. Mm. That could get misconstrued. Good. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Jim. And, uh, yeah, I'm still embarrassed about my uh, slow, fast twist little uh, snafu there. I shouldn't even point it out again. I I forgot about it. But I had to point it out because I know know that is something I know. Look, your pre-workout wore off. Now you're in the It's the Tuesday after a long weekend. I was hunting bears all week. I'm I'm not in the... I'm not in the right headspace, Ryan. If you uh, stop talking about it now, I'll still have forgotten about it. Yeah. If you had had a 338 Federal, you would have enjoyed more bear hunting. That was, that was the weather. We lost three days to weather. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Bye. See you. Bye.